from grain to glass, this show is dedicated to helping you make the best beer possible. So strap in and hold on to your mash tons. We're Homebrew Bound. Welcome to Homebrew Bound. I'm Casey. And I'm Brian. And I'm me. Gordon. Gordon's here. <laughs> I'm back. And this is the best beer show on the internet when Gordon's not on it. <laughs> Man, well, I bring such extensive, uh, vast knowledge. No, to show. no, Katie, but we get Gordon. So we traded down. <laughs> hey, the economy's not doing Rude. too hot right now. Uh, yeah, no, Katie's uh, Katie's still up north somewhere. Uh, hopefully, she can find her way across Highway Eight again. Oh God, yeah. Uh, actually, it's kind of like this mystical border it where is. one person uh, goes up and one person gets spit back out, and unfortunately, Gordon got spit out. <laughs> Oops. I was enjoying my breakfast, and all of a sudden, I pop in River Falls. Beautiful Amory, Wisconsin, <laughs> home uh, of the. Stuff. <laughs> Gordon goes, yeah, I really put you on the spot there, man. There's a I thought he was going to rattle something off. Uh, there's a dairy. <laughs> I think there's a creamery or dairy. Do they have a burrito? Sure. Oh. So, it's Wisconsin. There's probably a dairy, a creamery, or something up there. So che- the American Homebrewers Association does oh, yeah? a lot to support homebrewing <laughs> and homebrewers, and now they support us. Oh, During the AHA, we'll give you discounts at homebrew shops and select tap rooms, as well as give you access to the fantastic Zymergy magazine. Click on the referral link, the Monver homepage, and join today. So I'm going to give a big shout-out to our patrons, specifically our Black Belt patrons, Andy Thompson, Bjorn Bjornson, Devin Stinson, and Tyler Romanski. If you'd like to become a patron, head on over to patreon.com slash blindstudios or click on the patron link, the Monver homepage, and join today. Just yeah, do that. do it. Um, please <laughs> don't, 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 he, it wasn't, a, I mean, it was a little bit of a demand, but like at least add a, like a perfunctory please at the end. Like, please. <laughs> God. All right. Brian. Yes. My friend, my co-host. <laughs> what have you been up to beer related? Uh, we already talked about what I was going to talk about, but last episode, um, Man, I I was up out of town at a the disc golf mecca in Highbridge, Wisconsin. Oh yeah, near Ironwood, Michigan, uh, which is also a, a good disc golf town. And we were drinking our Hop and Barrel Light. We brought I think seven cases of Hop and Barrel oh, wow. Light up there. Yeah, and there was one of the greenskeepers was like one of those you know young bucks with a with a with a tan and a and a solid mountain man beard going, and the weed whipper in the back of the truck and a can a couple gas cans and a mountain of bush light cans, and so he came by to like bring us some firewood and I you know we you know, threw threw him twenty bucks for the wood, and I was like oh, I see you're a man of fine light beer taste. With your bush light in the back there, I said so. Here, I handed him a couple six packs of Hop and Barrel Light. A couple days later, wound up seeing him on the course, and he was like, "It was really good, but it but it's like just really hoppy." <laughs> and I'm like, "That's our least hoppiest, most lightest." <laughs> we don't make a whole lot of Hop and Barrel Light, and you know, and when we do, it's it's you know. It sits for a while. It's you know it'll it'll sell and then there'll be I'll take a bunch home and it'll sit in my garage and it just it's kind of one of those um, bomb shelter beers. Right. It just hangs in there. We have another beer like that, Zorro Rojo, where we it's were we were at a one of the distributors that was uh, we were kind of like you know doing the little sales pitch like hey you know do you want to work with us you know we we need a distributor partner in you know this area of Minnesota. 
and I thought I I thought I'd clown him and give him this really old Zorro Rojo, which is an uh, an amber lager. And they were kind of like skeptical. They're like, oh, Northwestern Wisconsin beer. It's all so sweet and, you know, under attenuated and blah, blah. And I'm like, yeah, yeah. I'm like, just try our beer. So they tried our beer. They loved everything. And they were like remarking on how fresh everything was. And I looked at Justin and he kind of nodded. And I cracked open this 17 month old um, Zorro Rojo Amber Lager. And they just fucking loved it. They were raving about it. Oh, this lager's so fresh. And it has that really like, good lager taste. I was like, it's 17 months old. <laughs> I was like, just to show you what our shelf life is, don't sell a 17-month-old beer to our customers, but just so you're aware. Like we had that one that was 17 months old. We can just let that shit sit. Like, yeah. It, well, so I'll, I'll, I'll just lay that, this out there for you, uh, home brewers and aspiring professional brewers. Uh, once it comes out of the fermentation tank, it's not lagering anymore. It's just getting old. Yep. <laughs> was it was it this show or was it another conversation I've had? People saying like, "Oh yeah, I found my dad's bottle of wild turkey from the seventies. I bet it smoothed out." I'm like, no, no. The probably second not. they took it out of the barrel and put it in a bottle, it was done aging. Yep. Yeah. I had uh, I had some eighty year old uh, was it like blackberry brandy what? that was yeah it was not good Polish. It's never good. Why was it Polish? No, it was, I don't know, it might have been Polish. I don't know, it was... Oh, no, in, like, Blackberry Brandy, I just, I, it, 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 they only have, there's only, like, one brand of it, and it's made by a Polish company, and oh, I, I always was, just called it Polish. This was just a, it was it was a little handle that um, my grandma, uh, or my great-grandma had found when she was cleaning that my great-grandpa had hid, because my great-grandpa was an alcoholic, that was a whole thing. <laughs> But, uh, no, he had hit it, uh, like, behind a medicine cabinet, oh, like, years and years and years ago and forgot about it. I'll be back for you later. And then he, uh, <laughs> she, like, she was, she was cleaning and, like, my mom pulled the thing, like, pulled the thing away and it was there. And my grandma was like, well, do you think it's still good? And I looked at the ABV and it was, you know. I would have like, tried it. It was, it was, it was high. And I'm like, let's try it. And it was, it tastes like cough syrup, but that's probably what it tasted like then yeah, too. Probably. So, <laughs> man, that, that happened when my mom sold our childhood home, like 10 years ago, I, there was this black trench coat in the closet and I was like, oh, this is weird. I wonder who, you know, who's this trench coat was. And my mom was like, that was yours. And you refused to take that thing off. You wore that all the time. And I was like, ah, yeah, I don't remember being one of those black trench coat people. I definitely, I don't think I was. But she was like, look in the pocket. There's probably weed in there. And no shit, there was some 10-year-old weed in there. You for, you you smoke so <laughs> much weed that you forgot you wore a black... This is a DOO conversation. It is. <laughs> all right, I will stop this immediately. We'll get back to this in, 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 in about yeah, yep, two hours. Yep, yeah. Okay, You're totally okay. right. Thank you. Anyway, uh, yeah, so beer stuff. Beer stuff. Uh, all right, yeah. yeah. Uh, Gordon, what have you been up to beer-related? Uh, so last weekend, I went up to the North Shore, uh, went up through Duluth, and we stopped at Ursa Minor. Ursa, Ursa Major? Minor? I think it's Ursa Minor. I yeah. think it's Minor, yeah. Minor. <laughs> and then it hit Castle Danger on the way up on Friday, Saturday, we went up to, what's the one in Grand Marais? Right downtown off Voyager. 61. Voyager. Voyager. Yeah, Voyager. Or Gunflint Tavern. I'm told they no, it make was a little beer there from time to time. Yeah, but. we hit Voyager, and that was the food. They, yeah. You know, with you know, they doing, doing the distancing and wearing masks and shit like uh -huh. that. But the beer was off the hook. Good. You, you know what really struck me about uh, going up to Grand Marais, however many month, a month ago or whenever I went up. Um, what struck me is when you went in, they were like, "Do you have a reservation?" And it was like, "Well, 
no, of course I don't. Okay, well, then need to make a reservation. What's your name and phone number? And it's like, oh, I see. This is how you're tracking the the COVID stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Ah, all right. So yeah, I'm trying to. I, there's only so I did a flight at Voyager, and there's only one that seemed. I can't I think it we, was an. It while was you're thinking, we were sitting at Gunflint Tavern, going, "I wonder where Voyager is from here." <laughs> it was like a block. Yeah. <laughs> but, <laughs> Never uh, made. Yeah, it they there. had a, they had a session pale on, and it was just I don't know something not quite right about it. Uh, okay. Uh, I couldn't really put, I was trying to sit there and dissect well, it. Well, what sort time. of, I mean, what what did you think was off? on uh, It's just, I don't know. I think it was just not hoppy enough for me. I don't think is there's necessarily the, anything the, the wrong. The body was very thin or? Yeah, it felt okay. thin, even yeah. for a session. You know, and like the only other session that I'm really familiar with is uh, Founders. Mm-hmm. They're whatever the all day IPA. I like the. Uh, you think the that's Summit thin one. or not thin? I think that's not too thin, but okay. thin compared to everything else. I do. Well, I, I, honestly, a pale ale is 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 you know categorically supposed to have a thin, a thinner body because mm-hmm. it's a pale ale. But there are obviously some thin ones. Ways we yeah. well right there are, and there's obviously ways we can beef that. And this was I would up. say this was oh, almost yeah. going on the side of American light lager in thinness and oh. And it, I mean, it was fine. There's nothing wrong yeah. with it. But they had they had a barrel aged stout on too that mm-hmm. was awesome. There's I'm gonna head up there this really, week. I'll check it out. There's a really good uh, session uh, session beer book. Like it's just I think it's just called Session Beers or something. Yeah, I think it, is, uh, it, is we, it Brewers Publication. It like is the, Brewers the Publication Brewers Association. Yep. Yeah. Uh, we act, we did a we did like a little uh, I'm sure a, we did. like an episode on it. I think that would be another one. I think would be fun to go through kind of like this. Uh, where we're taking it chapter by chapter. You know, uh, for, for people out there listening, yeah, maybe why, why don't send us ideas of, of stuff. Of what you, book to do next. Yeah, what book to do next, or if you think that there's um, if there's any any topic that we maybe should or could reboot that might yeah. be a cool thing, too. Um, but, yeah, I'm, uh, and yeah, so I'm hoping to, I'm, well, yeah, we'll talk about that later, maybe on off the, air. But. Yeah, but on the way home, though, Monday we stopped over at Duluth Cider Company. Oh, yeah. And that was really cool. They, they have a, any they mead? Coffee cider. Can on. they do mead or can they only do? Because they're technically have to have like a what a winery license if they're. Yeah, they didn't have any meads on. Okay, so it's only their patio. Well, oh. they turned the parking lot into a patio. Okay, right now the the tap room itself is closed. We but. have a case of mead coming from a meadery somewhere. No way. Yeah, bought one. Nice. Oh, you bought. I, I thought bought one. No, they didn't send. Oh, it I thought it. somebody yeah, was like, one. oh, I'll just I send got, you. Guys. I got very excited and bought one. Yeah, it's all, we, it's all uh, 16 ounce cans of mead. I, I always feel really cool and special when people send us things. Yeah, my first, <laughs> first homebrew nice. ever yeah. was a mead. And I'm like, really? Not good. <laughs> like, okay. Like, bready ethanol. Oh, yeah. Ooh. Meads? What? Yeah. Well, no, I don't so really think I mead should taste the bready. Brewing. No, 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 no. I didn't have a hand is... in the brew side of it. I was just an investor. Oh. And I know that the, the carboy was left out in the living room with. No temp control and sunlight hitting it day in and day out. Oh, so the sunlight's a problem. Yeah, but like probably. as far as as far as mead, I mean, shit, man, doesn't they can't you, you can sit on meads for like years, years, yeah, yeah. Plural, I, I and it it's still years, going. And then I put I put a I think a nectarine in mine for a year and a half because because there's still, a very specific like nutrient feeding schedule like post yep. Yeah, you know, post ferment to keep it. Well, I mean, I not first ferment. Call but, that yeah. post yet? No, it just, it's, it's, it's a slow so it ferment. It was the kit that you can get down at the Renfest, so we got both okay, kits. Okay. So I just threw in money on that. God, meat, it's just so expensive to make meat. It's yeah, honey is not cheap. No. Uh, well, if and, and not all honey. You can hear uh, Tom the Bee Guy. 
from Nature's Nectar. Yes. And he is willing to sell me a five-gallon bucket of, of um, well, any of the honeys that he carries. For? Mead. No, for a lot of How money. How much money? Um, I think he said 80 bucks. That was for five gallons. That's not bad. That's, yeah. yeah. Mm. 80 60 pounds? Yeah. Uh, anyway, we should we should move to beer? actual discussion <laughs> topic. Sorry. Uh, yeah, so we are continuing our uh, our discussion on uh, through the new IPA book. Uh, so welcome to book club. Uh, <laughs> yeah, man, this this is a dense chapter here. It's, this is very dense. I made it about 10 pages in, and I'm like, we need to stop here. And, like, here's my notes. Uh, let's see what we got. Uh, let's see where we go. Um, yeah, so this is, we're talking about dry hopping uh, specifically. So the, this is the dry hopping chapter, but we're going to focus on oxygen, polyphenols and a little bit um some some one of the more interesting things i think in this one besides the polyphenols is also the contact time yeah well i mean i think also it's important to note that the book we are reading uh we should note which book we are reading. oh yeah the the new ipa the new ipa a scientific guide to hop aroma and flavor by scott janish 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 something like that any long story short it's self-published you can find it on amazon but uh this the new ipa the idea here is the like we're talking about like the hazy IPA, the hazy IPA, but we can take a lot of these um, yes, and apply it lessons and apply them mm-hmm. elsewhere, which has kind of been our thing where we've been. Yeah, we've been yeah. talking about how we can apply this these another is style. the result of a lot of combing of research. And so sometimes, unfortunately, in this book, there is the word probably. And yep. there are a couple of these things are in here where the study probably blah, blah, blah. So take it with a grain of salt. Do experiments as usual, and let's roll into chapter seven. Uh, Yeah, yeah. So chapter seven here. Uh, So yeah, we're going to talk about oxygen. And oxygen is the number one enemy of dry hop beers. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, Because... Number one uh, enemy of all beers. beers. Yep, Uh, (laughs) because... A beer can turn very cardboardy very quickly. Yeah, wet, um, wet cardboard, and then he says like, what he gets in is, is sweeter cherry cardboard, and I always think more like sherry than cherry. Yeah, like a, like a, almost like a cooking cherry though. <laughs> yeah. Um, so slightly vinegary and just not not good. Right. So I think people kind of tend to overlook uh, dry hopping as a potential source of oxygen introduction, but uh, you know you're you're opening the vessel. Uh, to put the dry hops in, I'm guessing if you're a home brewer. Yeah. Well, and there's oxygen trapped in, like if you're using whole cones, there's oxygen mm-hmm. in there. Pellets, yep. there's oxygen in there. And we do know that from this chapter also that speaking of whole cone, that the extraction of of the oils and essentials and volatiles and things, you'll get better extraction from pellet than you will whole whole cone any day. Well, pellets absorb like when. Um John from Stonehill was on. He mm-hmm. they they vacuum seal all their hops that they do pellets and whole. Yeah, they usually well, nitrogen, yeah, nitrogen yeah. purge. So um, when you open that to put in there, how much oxygen is going to get into the pellet or the or the uh, uh, too d- much? Too much. Like, <laughs> yeah, I, we don't. I don't have an exact. Number yeah, for you. and then you've got a lot of like you'll have some action going that the dry hopping will tend to rouse yeast, and then we'll get to that. Yeah, we'll, we'll, yeah, yeah, we'll get to that yeah. in a minute. Here. So. Moving on. Um, yeah, so like you're saying, uh, so adding oxygen while dry hopping is pretty much mm-hmm. inevitable, but there's things you can do to negate yeah. it. Mm-hmm. Um, you can dry hop during active fermentation, mm-hmm. uh, which, so th- that does a few things. One, uh, you're going to be scrubbing. Uh, like the yeast is still going, so the yeast still is scrubbing out that oxygen. Um, and that, But it will impact the final hop compound levels due to CO2 production and removal and absorption of those compounds from yeast cells. Also, you're going to get a fun little thing called biotransformation, 
uh, which they don't really mention in this chapter, uh, and I don't know yeah, if we've reached that chapter, yet. I don't think we've got but that. yeah, so you're gonna change what the what those hop flavors are uh, because there's a biochemical reaction happening. Yeah, so basically the hops are hops are known, or I'm sorry, geez, yeast are known for pulling stuff into their cell, metabolizing them and spitting them back out. And they are totally different. Mm -hmm. The, the compound, the chemical compound is different. Smells, tastes, looks different. Um, so, uh, we're talking about, uh, avoiding oxygen pickup during dry hopping. So adding dry hop additions to an empty keg or a bright tank, purging the entire keg and the dry hops with CO2 and transferring the beer into it. But as we know, secondarying just in general imparts a shitload of oxygen. Well, I mean, I guess if you're, but if you're doing a complete, if you're doing closed vessel to closed vessel, mm-hmm. then there, then there's not that issue. Then there's which no. is kind of which I is think sort what, what of what I was describing here. here. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, sorry about that. Um, yeah, um, and then the other option at the homebrew level, I don't know if this is something that you would consider at the pro level or not. Is do a continuous flush of the headspace? Yeah, is that is that what you guys do? Um, there's a couple ways you can push CO2 into the very bottom of the tank, like crack crack your dry hop port, which is way up on top of the tank. Is that the hop dowser that they're talking about? I don't or know. Or dozer? I don't dozer? know. I don't know. Um, yeah, I don't know. It, I don't know. it was a fun little thing. I, I think I may, I think I might have glossed over that because I was thinking like, okay, that's not something that right. we need to talk about because it's a commercial level. Yeah. But, um, um, but yeah, yeah, you, you so. can shoot oxygen into the bottom of your conical and then the CO2 will go up into the head space and will start coming out of the top of the, the dry hop hole up on top, which is usually like a much bigger hole or gasket. So you can dump hops in there, you know, four inches, eight inches, 10 inches. Um, and, uh, that will help, or you can hang some CO2 purge into the head space after you open it and then dry hop on top of that. Um, so there's a couple uh, yeah. ways to do it. And this is, it's definitely the easiest thing to do. Uh, like if you don't have, if you're not able to close transfer or mm-hmm. if you want to like, yeah, uh, if you just want to use the single vessel, that's the easiest thing to do at the homebrew level. Yeah. Uh, cause you can basically like, if you're using a glass carboy, drop a sanitized CO2 hose in there mm-hmm. and let that run at 5, 10 PSI yep. um, for a bit and then dump your hops in. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and they, I don't know if they go into any of this hop rousing stuff, but you can also like later on, if you, if you really want to, if you're doing a carboy, you can jam that same hose all the way down to the bottom and rouse those hops back up and get wow. more stuff into we, they don't actually go into hop rousing at all, and uh, oh, or at least not not that I've hit yet. Cool. Uh, well, but that's again, thing I've only made do. it halfway through the chapter. <laughs> True. Um, the other thing is, uh, if you're looking for like that post fermentation dry hop profile, and you still want to hop, and you don't want to purge or whatever, you can. Or some brewers will add sugar uh, with the dry hop to reactivate the yeast enough to like help scrub out some of that CO two. Um, you got to be careful with that too much sugar. You're going to stretch that body. Um, you're going to stretch the body. And then there's, there's always the, um, like as far as re-fermentation goes, like what, remember I was talking just a second ago about how like sometimes hops will, or yeast will pick things up into their cell and then spit other things out. And if they don't have the proper amount of time, they're going to keep some things and not reuptake some other things. So what you're going to end up with something called hop creep, which Again, I'm not going to get into because I guarantee you that's coming in this book yes. somewhere. So yeah. we'll move on. 
Uh, yeah, so that's that's oxygen. Uh, homebrewers at a massive disadvantage with oxygen and dry hopping mm-hmm. uh, because the smaller volumes that we're working with mean that there's a higher percentage of the total beer being exposed to oxygen yeah. uh, while we're while we're doing this. Uh, Brian, do you just want to run through these takeaways for me? Which number are we on? I'm sorry. Uh, it'd be number eight on here. There's just oh my, uh, we're like, down that far, yeah. So yeah, as far as this goes, like our takeaways here, oxygen will inevitably uh, be introduced to beer when you're dry hopping. Uh, we've listed a few things you can do. So, and and they are uh, add dry hops during the first three to five days of fermentation. Which, frankly, I, you know, I mean, I I err on the side of that anyway, or I have, uh, and. Uh, let's see here. Continually, continually purge headspace with CO2 while adding said dry hops, especially when you're doing a post fermentation. Um, I don't like the sugar idea at all. Uh, maybe if you guys do some experiments and you can tell us if that works yep. for you, it I just, just it seems that, so freak, that freaks me out. <laughs> um, yeah, so, there's, there's, there's a lot of potentials for things to go wrong. The only way I would play with that is if I were doing five gallon batches, um, you know, or breaking down into like. Two and a half threes. Sometimes I would break down into one gallon if I was really doing something wacky. And then you have a better, you know, like it says, the smaller the smaller the volume, the more apt it is to pull stuff. Yep. So those are our takeaways for now. We'll talk about right. uh, contact. Contact time. time. So contact time, what we're talking about is how long you're leaving the dry hop in contact with the beer. Um, mm. Yeah. So brewers have it's the water heater there's not much we can oh, do oh okay yeah. i thought it was the other thing no. uh brewers have argued yeah if the furnace turned on right <laughs> now i'd be insane. it's not winter i forgot <laughs> um yeah so and we don't have to worry about that soon yeah I, this is <laughs> one more episode of this bullshit yeah. all right uh brewers have argued about how long to leave uh the beer on dry hops for ages but now ask, we, we got some 10 studies. brewers Yes, but that's why we have studies, so we can just ask one motherfucker, one scientist, eh. and the scientist can be like, here's what you do. Excuse me, scientist. And the brewers would be like, dogma. Dogma. <laughs> <laughs> nah, dude. <laughs> oh, my God. There's brewers stuck in their old ways? It's, oh, it's, it's weird. Um, so this, the big stu- or Never. one of the biggest studies that we're going to talk about um, they did this multiple times. With uh, basically, they they did up a batch. They pulled samples at one day, four days, and seven days of dry hopping, to uh, looking specifically at the the linalool and the myrcene. Uh, this is page. Uh, we're, we're on page one hundred two, one hundred three. But what I was doing was flipping back here to page twenty six when we it shows this chemical compositions of the essential oils of hops. And so what I was what I was thinking is these ones that you listed right off the bat are these the more volatile ones? Are these the more yep. hydrocarbon? any ones yeah see we're always always thinking about those first though if you guys have noticed that um, i believe trying to remember i think myrcene is is definitely a hydrocarbon and very volatile yeah yeah because they're terpenes correct and yeah. so what we're saying here is linalool myrcene concentrations were not higher on day seven than they were on one, which is interesting. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So in fact most of the studies most of the samples that they pulled had a decrease by day seven well, actually, no. Wait, now, now I think the opposite isn't. The hydrocarbons are the first ones to to kind of go away because they are extremely volatile. So that makes well, sense, yeah. No, right? so uh, so dry. Uh, not see now. Now you got me like <laughs> got me double checking. I gotta remember see? now the myrcene. <laughs> so I, I know, I know, uh, myrcene and linalool are the compounds that we are able to measure, and they're like the flavor compounds. Um, oh man. Okay, well, Hang I see on. myrcene and hydrocarbon as an example of a volatile, but linalool, I believe, is 
uh, actually one of the more oxygen-containing compounds, uh, like geraniol and citronellol. Uh, okay, so it is, uh, yes. It so is your both- floral, fruity citrus. Yeah, okay. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so, yes. So day seven, dry hop. So a lot of those, um, the volatility that we're worried about is usually in the boil, because they'll boil away a lot faster. Right. Um, and in dry hop, that's why we dry hop, so we can get a higher concentration of those chemical or of those compounds and like they'll they'll attribute more to the flavor and the aroma correct yes all right so i knew i knew what i was talking about i just had to dig for it anyway so uh due to the hydrophobicity of some of these hop aroma compounds um extended dry hopping can cause the removal of some of those back into the spent hops so basically they'll go into solution and they'll be like no it's too wet and then go back into the hops. They're like, we want to be back here now. Nice job with hydrophobicity, by the way. Thank you. <laughs> I practiced in the mirror. I was wondering, <laughs> I was wondering if you were going to trip over that. Uh, yeah, no. So I thought that was really interesting. Yeah. And um, I just encountered something like, so my buddy and I, we just did a hazy IPA um, with uh, like, uh, I was trying to, uh, I'm trying to think of the hops now. I think we used Centennial and Simcoe. Like, it's a nice blend. Yeah, we just like we were like kicking it old school a little bit. Yeah, and um, like the the aroma and the flavor didn't match, and we couldn't figure out why. And I sent him like I was reading through this, and I sent him that, and then I was like, I wonder if it's this. Like, what was your dry hopping schedule? And we looked at it, and um, there were some extended dry hops. And so I'm wondering if we did shorter dry hops and were able to pull the hops out, yeah. if that would complete, if, if we were losing some of those Short, compounds. Shorter meaning, uh, at day, I don't know, two or three, you throw some in, then some at day four and some at day five, you mean like, shh. Well, so here's smaller, the well, but so, more frequent. Well, so this is I, w- I was thinking that makes sense if, to if me. we can if we can pull the hops out somehow. Like mm. I don't know if we have to do a crash or what, um, or if they would sink. Uh, I, it's, it's something I need to you, experiment you, with and look you're at. You're not gonna warm something back up. So if you're dry hopping warm, which well, is and better. so what we're we're gonna we're gonna get to that too because that is we another are, part actually. of this chapter, which mm-hmm. is which I found fascinating because the the traditional is dry hop warm yeah which might not necessarily be what we want to do depends on what you're trying to get out of the hops this brings us to gordon's mail question from last time like yeah it's it's uh it's it's very exciting anyway so this shows that 24 hours might be enough for full extraction and that terpenes like linalool and myrcene uh may reach full solubility uh in a matter of hours they're talking like three four hours and they've reached their solubility um and then you're gonna get just micro traces of other compounds in the first 24 hours but after that you're not really pulling much um which is like when you're when you're thinking about this like it's it's yeah kind of weird to like timing wise because traditional is you would do you know one like just a few days before like at at high croizen or whatever Mm -hmm. for that biotransform and then do a second um, for that a double dry hop. Um, okay. Uh, you want to talk about tank size? Tank size. Uh, two under contact. Thank you. Uh, tank size is uh, always going to play a role in your extraction rates. Uh, so as the tank size increases, uh, the extraction efficiency decreases. So 
on a homebrew scale, hop extraction is a lot faster because of the smaller volume. And we that piggybacks on our whole oxygen situation. Same same rules apply. Yeah, because it's a smaller volume, mm-hmm. we're we're dealing with less things. Um, and yeah, it was it was kind of crazy to me like the difference. So you're obviously using more for more hops for a larger volume, but um, so instead of like 24 hours to get like to pull everything out, you're looking at like three days, and it's it's that much of a difference depending on like the volume that you're using. And I have a couple IPA recipes I want to do, and I think I was planning on dry hopping for I think just 48 hours with two ounces, mm-hmm. I believe. Okay. And in a six and a half gallon carboy, I mean, it sounds like that would be ample time. Just do half a pound. <laughs> I, I wouldn't mind. So <laughs> I think I'd be the only one drinking that beer, which would also be fine. So another another way to kind of look at this is maybe agitating, you know, like pushing. Pushing some CO2, and I think I mentioned this before, but sticking that hose down the bottom and agitating. Um, but you'll find that it'll it it will increase the extraction speed, so recirculating your beer or sw- like swirling the carboy in our situation here on the homebrew scale. But what we find agitation yields more aroma intensity, but at the expense of a more astringent and um, bitter situation. And yeah, and I think they're talking about like continuous agitation here. Yeah, that's was kind of. Trying to look back here. Um, and he mentions uh, getting like an over-extracted flavor. Yeah. Almost, which I never really thought about with hops, I like an over-extraction. Either. I thought but you it, wanted all that good stuff, but yeah, I mean, maybe there's there's a situation where there's too much. What's the, uh, there's like the, well, yeah, you can get like the, the grassy um, vegetal character from yeah. some. From, then, from something that you're trying to get beef uh, floral and citrusy. Yeah. Um, yeah, so at the homebrew level, uh, agitation is as easy as shaking a carboy. Mm-hmm. Uh, commercial level, uh, you have to use pumps and weird things, right? Yeah, or recirculation pumps or like a, like a um, what do they even call it, like a, a grant or like a, um, geez, like a hop doser. Okay. Which, you know, you run the, run the beer through a, like a stainless steel um, thing with a mesh bucket uh, that you know you you have to use pumps, and then you're worried about you know shearing. You're worried about you know what, what do they call cavitation uh, in the pump potentially, which is basically little tiny sonic booms. Um, that sounds cool. Cavitation. <laughs> <laughs> we have little, little mini fucking sonic yeah. booms happening in the brewery right now. Yeah, you hear that noise in the pump? That's a sonic boom. It's a bad thing, probably. It is. Um, and then, uh, so you're shearing oxygen uptake, I think, is where I was getting with this. Um, but rousing with CO2 from the bottom of the cone, that will work. I've heard of that technique. There's a ton of different techniques, but there's just, for every technique, there there are side effects. There's balance, you know. Okay. So. Um, yeah, uh, and then... Uh, I guess the final thing that we're going to kind of talk about in this section of the chapter is uh, extraction happens a lot faster than previously. Talk about like, you know, we were talking the the traditional dry hop schedule was like four and seven. Um, the, yeah. So the earlier you start um, after fermentation, the the quicker the extraction is going to happen. And it can happen in less than three days. Yeah, at, um, even at 34 
to 39 yeah, Fahrenheit or so, 1 to 4 C. So that's so that I found interesting because it was traditionally like you always dry hop warm, but mm-hmm. you could uh, like when we get into something like keg hopping, yeah. uh, especially at the homebrew level. I don't really know if that I don't think that's really a thing. Keg hopping. Is it? Oh, oh, okay. no, definitely not. Okay. I don't know how I would get the, I mean, I don't know how I get the hops in the cake. Yeah, I thought, right, I don't. I thought you and Miles or you and Rick talked about doing that. Like somebody took like a, almost like a tea leaf steeper. Yeah, we, balls yep. and and, yeah, and drop that in there. If yeah. you are going to dry hop in a keg, you need to put it in a mesh. Yes, otherwise, because if you, You're if gonna, you don't, yeah. uh, you drink salad. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, there, there's that, and then you're... You need to be able to pull it out. When you're trying to purge the, like, pull the ring on the purge valve... You'll get hot matter you, stuck in The hot too. matter is going to suck right up in there. And it's just going to go... Or that or, it'll, that or it will get clogged and just keep gaining pressure, and nothing oh. will go, and then you I have haven't to, had that problem yet. That, well, this was a long time ago that this happened to me, but then I had loosened the the little handle thing you know the corny opening looks like it's ovular and you pull the little handle up and you're and it will go in turn and pull out well this thing was so backed up i didn't know how to get the thing open without taking a rubber mallet throwing a towel on top and give it and banging and it shot hop beer water stuff everywhere (laughs) wow and this was and i remember this specifically because it was a surly furious clone and there were ass loads of hops in that clone because it's surly Surly. furious and there's an ass load of hops in that beer so yeah (laughs) good times a lot of things to think about think about (laughs) uh yeah but i mean but you would i guess you would you would hop in the bright then if you were going to do something like this, I would never hop well, in a bright tank. I'm just saying, that's like what, what, where, where, like I think that would if, be the if, equivalent of keg hopping. If right? the yes, if the bright tank didn't have a carbonation stone in there and it was just sealed, then yeah, probably. I mean, there's a there's a solid enough PRV on on top of it that I, I would feel comfortable doing that. But I don't I don't like the idea of getting so much matter and oil right. on my oxygen stone well that makes sense yeah oxygen stones are probably about maybe about from your elbow to your wrist long and they go into your bright tank and that's how you carbonate the beer uh Uh, on on a commercial level uh oxygen wands with the stones on them Mm -hmm. to oxygenate our beer yep anywho so Uh, where are we at here uh takeaways takeaways are uh a Oxygen will inevitably be introduced to beer when dry hopping. We've talked about this. So to keep the levels low, uh, we're going to add dry hops during the first three to five days of fermentation. It will cause us to have some scrubbing of the oxygen. Um, Thing number two is continually purge uh, your headspace with CO2 while you're adding your dry hops, especially post-fermentation. And we listed a couple ways to to, um, purge that headspace or purge your situation. So... um, if you guys think of other ways we didn't think of, or you've got something more creative and you're a, a better person than we are at this, and let us know. All right, now let's get into polyphenols because it's a fun word to say. Uh, it means many phenols. Uh, 
<laughs> I, where I see the I see the word hydrophobicity down here. Somewhere. Oh, hydrophobicity! I know that one. <laughs> all right. Uh, no. So, all right. So, what we're talking about um, is to expand on polyphenols and dry hopping. A study looked at how polyphenolic bitterness of hops could influence the harshness of beer combined with uh, iso alpha acid. So basically, we're looking at perceived bitterness here, not yeah. actual bitterness. Mm, that's um, a, another point of contention with like uh, the argument of. Uh, IBU. Yeah, because, well, after a certain point, the your palate can't, like, mm-hmm. uh, this came into massive contention during the IBU races, yeah. um, which, I mean, were almost as detrimental as the arms races. Was that like, aught um, nine? <laughs> uh, no, this was, uh, like, this is what, how we ended up with beers that were like, this beer is 150 IBUs. You can't taste more than 100 or something. I know, but that was the marketing thing. It's how we get, yeah. that's how we ended up with Dogfish Head's bullshit. That's how we ended up with <laughs> Hop Stupid, which I thought was a really awesome beer that I don't know if they make anymore. Lagunitas. Oh, I think, yeah, they yes. do. They still yeah. make Hop Stupid. Do you, they, you could you'd be on the way out of the liquor store and there was always a 22-ounce bomber of Hop Stupid sitting there for four ninety nine. <laughs> like, you bastards. <laughs> Well, can we just like mention Lagunitas's amazing pricing for just a second? They're yeah. they're five dollar bombers like consistently across the board, no matter what they that's, released. So and- I, I'll give you a little little secret. Uh, that's <clears throat> our our we, that's why we one of the reasons why we only do two tiers of pricing at Hop because then your four pack is nine ninety nine and your six pack is nine ninety nine. That makes sense. So there, there's no there's no guesswork. You walk in, you can get whatever beer from Hop and Barrel for ten bucks. For ten bucks, period. So that makes that makes a lot of sense. It like, does. Yeah, and I, I love that Lagunitas did that. Like they were the only ones really doing that at yeah. the time. It was like seven ninety nine or eight ninety nine or something like that for, for their, their six pack. Six pack, mm-hmm. and it yep. was just like yeah, no brainer. Duh. Yep. All right. Um. Yeah. So polyphenols. Um. So, like, you can get a an aggressive, like, vegetal uh, bitterness or hop bite mm-hmm. is kind of what we're talking about when we're talking about polyphenols. So, like, as, a, as the dry hop rates increase, so will the amount of nonpolar compounds such as myrcene and aggressive-tasting phenols. Um, it's particularly true with, like, high-protein beta-glucan uh, gris, which is what we're dealing with when we're looking at the hazy, hazy beer, for sure, yeah. So, like, you know, you're, you're getting all of those, like, proteins in solution, and so your hop creep is coming in. Um, and so, in general, hops with low alpha acids will have more polyphenols than hops with are high in alpha acids. So you have this uh, correlation. There's a chart on page 108 um, going with the hop variety with the with the phenol or the polyphenol percentage. Um, so like uh, like some lower alpha acids here, like Spalter, um, Sazer, Tetnanger, those types of hops, which are in like the five point or uh, four point one to f- like three point two range of alpha acids, have like a five point three percent of polyphenols. Where if you go down to like Nugget, um. Hercules, Northern Brewer, uh, you're looking at like between like 3.9 to 3.4 percent polyphenols, where and you're getting like 16 and a half percent of alpha acids. Hmm. Um, so there's definitely a correlation there. Um, but yeah, so uh, so looking at this, uh, hops, uh, a study by Hopsteiner found that you a unique polyphenol uh, or found that a unique polyphenol found only in hops 
Oh man, xanthohumol uh, <laughs> is significantly uh, higher or is in significantly higher rates in hazy beers than other spot, uh, styles compared to a West Coast IPA, which had 0.7 ppm of this polyphenol. The highest commercial uh, hazy IPA was tested at 3.5 ppm, and the average of all hazy IPAs was 2 ppm. So that's a massive jump, which is why you get this hop uh, this hop bite more in these hazy beers than you do in your standard West Coast where you're getting that, uh, for lack of a better term, like that clean, sharp bitterness versus this, like, this vegetal, lingering, like, nah, nah. I don't know a better way of describing that <laughs> than that noise. It worked for me. All right, everybody got that? I hope so. Okay, um, so polyphenols uh, peak after three days of dry hopping uh, and will have higher extraction rates at warmer dry hop temperatures, which is another argument for dry hopping slightly longer at a cooler temperature because you'll get less polyphenol extraction, but you can't really do that if you're doing high croissant hopping and looking for that biotransformation. So you're kind of walking a line here. Like all of this is you're... you're playing with all these variables, trying to dial in the beer that you want. Um, and then increased yeast pitching rates may also help to remove more non-polar hop compounds and polyphenols. Why, Brian? <coughs> Sorry, I was trying to clear my throat oh, quite, yeah. quietly, and I lost my, <laughs> <laughs> I lost my No, uh, no, so... Uh, <coughs> Sorry. That's fine. No, no. Uh, so why will increased yeast pitching rates help remove uh, non-polar hop compounds and polyphenols? Because scrubbing. Exactly. <laughs> Uh, yeah, no. So the yeast will take in some of these compounds, uh, as Brian was saying, and yep. then out different ones. I don't know what the ones. deal is. I think I walked through a cloud of pollen today. And you, Dude, you were sneezy too. Right? Yeah, no. I, my it's 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 allergy time, man. It's <sighs> just allergy time. Um, yeah, man. So like this polyphenol thing, it's like I need to dig into it more. Uh, yeah, but it's it's also as very it relates. Dense to other things. But basically, the higher your polyphenols, the more of that. Uh, that like hop, uh, like hop bite you're gonna get, and we don't want hop bite because hop bite's not enjoyable to anybody. Uh, false, but teach their own. What you like hop oh, bite? Of course yes. he does. Why? I would like to be like a half He's step just away being from just chewing on hop. Oh, that's nasty. Ew. You nasty garden. That's nasty. So that is half of the that is half of the chapter, uh, and we did that in 45 minutes. Oh, so, Okay, we'll have to circle the wagons on this one. Cir- yeah, no, I'm excited to get uh, Katie back to talk about the second half because uh, yeah. we're talking, uh, so can, this this chapter will go on uh, pellet disintegration and sedimentation mm-hmm. is a whole thing. Uh, dry hopping amounts, which is a whole thing. Uh, oil <laughs> concentration in hops. There are a lot. Filtering lots. of hop compounds, dry hopping and head retention, yeah. which is a whole thing. There are lots of arguments about all of those things, yep. especially the amount of like blah, blah, blah pounds per barrel. Like there, there is a, there is a saturation rate, which if, if you guys want to prep for this. Um, yeah. Research some saturation rates yeah. and figure out what that means. Mm. <laughs> all right. Uh, no listener mail this week. Uh, we will have some listener mail next week. Well, I was going to say, I mean, there was, there's always plenty of listener mail. We just don't have time for it. So if you have questions and all that jazz, yes. to send us messages. Well, hang on. You want to do the outro, Brian? I can definitely do the outro. Hey, man, let, me get, let me give you some bed. Where is it? Well, there it is. It's at the bottom. If you want to do stuff awesome and be a patron, then you will hit us up on Patreon. 
dot com slash blind <laughs> <laughs> I, I thought you had it listed out. Oh no, no, the, 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 those are just my my notes for myself. Like. I'm gonna try to do it like you. If you want to join us as a patron, you're going to be a patron. Join feedback at blindinstudios.com, facebook.com, backslash nine studios, at blind and jaw. I feel, like, I feel like I do it a lot better than that. <laughs> Just a little bit. <laughs> All right. That's so if you have any questions, like comment. <laughs> if you have any questions, comment, show ideas, or what have you, go ahead and shoot us an email at feedback at blindinstudios.com. You can find us on Facebook at facebook.com, blindinstudios. You can follow us on Twitter at blindinstudios. See that you do it really fast. <laughs> That's because I've been doing it for eight years. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I failed miserably on that. Oh, no, it's fine, man. It's I'm, fine. I'm going to practice. <laughs> all right. Uh, but yeah, no, in all seriousness, guys, uh, send us your questions, comments, um, and all that stuff. We, yeah, we really like getting... I, I really yep. enjoy reading all the messages from people. Yeah, no, uh, yeah, we've been getting some good ones. And guys, uh, I've gotten a few of these now, and I feel like I should say something about it. Thanks for all the love for, uh, like, you know, I've gotten a lot of, like, thank you for continuing to do this through COVID. Of course. We're stuck at home, too. <laughs> 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 but yeah, no, we really appreciate that. You guys appreciate it, I guess. That's a yeah. weird thing to say. Anyway, we'll be back next week. Peace.